One of the bigger movies that has come out in the last uh, last few months is, of course, the Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Emily Blunt film, Jungle Cruise. Now, I wasn't super excited about it, and I watched the movie, and I liked it. It's a good movie. In, in a world of, of thumbs up or thumbs down, it's a thumbs up for me. I didn't think the movie was great, but I enjoyed it. I, I, it had a good amount of fun. The soundtrack was pretty good. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has always got all the charm in the world. The chemistry between him and Emily Blunt were actually pretty solid, and that's all great. Now, along came then a little bit of a surprise announcement that they were going to release Jungle Cruise in theaters and on Disney Plus at the same time. Much like they did with Black Widow. Unlike Black Widow, where they went to Dwayne Johnson and made an additional agreement with him, but they didn't do that with uh, Scarlett Johansson for Black Widow, which is why Scarlett Johansson is taking them to court right now and suing them, whereas Dwayne Johnson got everything that he wanted, and so they just gave him everything. One of the things... Remember, I told you guys about this a while ago. One of the things that I have been told, uh, and I did communicate this to you guys before, that he got besides a big fat check for allowing them to put, for allowing Disney to put it up on Disney Plus, was an assurance that he'd be allowed to, regardless of box office performance, to get a Jungle Cruise 2. Well, guess what? No surprise. Today it's official. Jungle Cruise 2, this is coming to us from The Hollywood Reporter, is now officially on the green light. It's now got the green light. It's moving ahead. There we go. Uh, So this is what they say over at uh, The Hollywood Reporter. Disney is ready to go down the river one more time with Jungle Cruise crossing $100 million to the domestic box office, which isn't bad considering the pandemic era that we're in. That's not bad at all. Uh, $100 million at the domestic box office this past weekend. Uh, The studio pulling the trigger is pulling the trigger on a sequel. Stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt are set to return as the wisecracking skipper Frank Wolf and intrepid researcher Dr. Lily Houghton, respectively, for the brand new adventure with Michael Green, who co-wrote the hit Back at the Keyboard. And the director is, of course, returning again. And there's nothing about this in the report. But I am telling you right now, I guarantee it's not in the report and I haven't heard anything. This is just me speculating, Rob, but I am telling you right now, it's going to be a theatrical exclusive film because I guarantee, again, nobody told me this. I am simply speculating as a fan, but I I pretty much assure you that a part of this whole thing with Dwayne letting them put the first one on Disney plus was okay. Yeah. But when we do the second and you're going to green light our second, and when you do that, hell or high water, or raising Jungle Cruise rivers, it's going to be a theatrical exclusive. So I get whether that's true or not, we'll find out. But that's completely what I speculate here. Again, Rob, not a surprise. <laughs> not a surprise. Dwayne The Rock Johnson isn't signing up for this unless he's getting a franchise. There's no way he's agreeing to let them put this on Disney Plus without A, a big fat check, which they wouldn't give Scarlett Johansson, and B, assurances of sequel. So I'm I'm not surprised by this at all. And you know what? Good for them. Again, I didn't think Jungle Cruise was great, but it deserved a real chance to see what it could do at the box office. And obviously none of the movies that are coming out right now are really getting that true box office chance. So they're doing as good as they can. And some of them are making some good money, you know, you know, free guy, for example, but good for them because now we're going to get to see what jungle cruise can actually do in, in a format like this and, and what it can do at the box office. Rob, any surprise you're hearing that they're green lighting this and what do you expect of it moving forward? 
Look, you know, crossing 100 million domestic, obviously it's probably been doing well for Disney Plus and it's probably been doing well in the foreign territories that it's I think I think getting into the Dwayne Johnson business is probably a smart move on Disney's part. Um and uh you know, if they had to either pay him out a lot of money or make a sequel or you both. Know, let's, <laughs> or both. Um no, I, I you know, people I uh, look if people like movies and they're making they're making a second or third one, it's it can only be a good thing, I hope. And you know, Disney, like I really loved the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I love the first one. I love the third one. Actually, the first two. The, the second one I didn't like as much. But you know, for turning theme park rides into movies, you could do a lot worse than Jungle Cruise. No, true. And and like I said, I thought it had I it ended up being better than I thought it would be. Had a nice light sense of fun and adventure to mm. it. It has its problems. I mean, that's why I don't think it's a great movie. It definitely right. has its problems, but there was enough of that those aspects that you're pointing out that I think made it worthwhile. Made it worthwhile, yeah. made it enjoyable. So, yeah, there you have it, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this and them getting Jungle Cruise a second film? Why do you think they got it? I think we all know why. Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. And by the way, our friend uh, Lawrence sends in uh, a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you for that, Lawrence. Appreciate that, man. Okay. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. I know it looks like I'm holding up three, but I'm not. Number two. And our second off the top is this. You know, Rob, speaking of uh, movies that we've heard being talked about a lot, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone has been saying for a very, very long time that they were going to do another Expendables. But he's been saying that for years and it never comes to pass. And then he's been talking about it more recently. And, and I said, listen, they, they may very well, but until I see something from the studio... I'm not going to buy it because, you know, we've seen Stallone and I love Stallone, but talking about this stuff before and nothing ever happens. So he's been talking about Expendables 4. Well, guess what? It's official. The studio has officially announced that they are indeed moving forward with Expendables 4 and they're going to get Sylvester Stallone back, obviously, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Megan Fox and others. This comes just from the folks at Deadline who writes, Lionsgate and Millennium Media have a new Expendables movie in the works coming back together for the elite mercenaries features our franchise stars Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, and Sylvester Stallone, who will all reprise their roles as Lee Christmas, Gunnar Jensen, uh, Toll Road, and Barney Ross, respectively. In addition, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, Megan Fox, and Tony Jaw, which that is something we got to talk about. Tony Jaw yep. are joining the this uh, this forequel, this uh, new sequel of the film couple of interesting things here, Rob, in this story, besides the fact that they're doing an Expendables 4, which we'll talk about in a second. Number one, very noticeable by his absence is the name Terry Crews. I, I, I found it honestly very surprising that they, they're bringing all these other guys back, including Randy, the natural couture, that they're bringing all these guys back and they're not bringing back Terry Crews. I... I'm shocked to me to me Terry Crews is as much of the DNA of the Expendables franchise as Stallone and Jason Statham are to be honest with you. I it's hard for me to imagine an Expendables film without Terry Crews. So why he's not coming back I'm not sure we'll have to talk about that. We'll we'll talk about that. The other part of that is Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw is 
a bona fide superstar that never made it to the status he deserves to be at. You know, after seeing Ong back, I mean, anybody who's seen Ong back and you realize this guy is the true heir to the throne of Jackie Chan. This guy who does all of his own stunts makes him look incredibly crazy good and incredibly dangerous. Uh, he never really did break through into the North American market, though, Rob. That's And I, I have always lamented that he never really did on a true big level like Jackie Chan did. But I'm very excited to see Tony Jaw is going to be in there. Um, so, yeah, now also some people are mentioning in the live chat, too, is that also Jet Li isn't mentioned. Yeah, Jet Li isn't there either. I love me Jet Li. But again, Terry Crews to me was just such a DNA part of the franchise. So it's weird, especially because him and Couture, him and Randy Couture are often kind of like paired up. And it's like, it's really weird not to see them there. So it's going to be interesting. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking forward to this. I am personally looking forward to this. So, Rob, let me ask you. Number one, what do you think about them doing a fourth Expendables? What do you think about the absence of Terry Crews? And what do you think about the addition of Tony Jaa? Dude, first of all, 75-year-old Sylvester Stallone can absolutely lead a battalion of men into battle wherever and whenever they may find themselves having to go into battle. I believe it utterly. It has peak verisimilitude to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, God bless uh, Sly for doing this. But, dude, Tony Jaa? Come on. I remember Ongbok blew me away when I saw it. I mean, I loved it. I, I, you know, and, and to have him in the mix, like, is he, is he part of the Expendables? Do we know? Is he a good guy or is he good a bad guy? guy? I don't know. They, they didn't make that clear. Good guy, bad yeah, guy. I'm but not I, sure. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, he's, he deserved to have superstar status. And I guess amongst people that have seen Ongbok in his other movies, why, why, why isn't he a superstar? But look, you know what? These movies, I think we would all agree. They're not the greatest movies in the world, but they're certainly fun to watch. And uh, why not make another one? I mean, if Clint Eastwood can be in Cry Macho at 91, <laughs> Indiana Jones can almost be 80. Why can't Sylvester Stallone at 75 still be kicking major bootay? So, uh, speaking to that point, Rob, one of the other trailers that they showed us at CinemaCon oh, I heard was the trailer for Samaritan, the new Sylvester yeah. Stallone superhero movie. And I'll tell you what, the action sequences, which were, I confirmed with somebody there, that were was all Sylvester Stallone doing it. The action sequences look great. And and listen, if Stallone can still do it, let him still do it. And right. so, and if, if I had any doubts that he could still believably pull this off, the Samaritan trailer totally, totally satisfied any kind of concerns i had about that like absolutely so i am very much looking forward to that anyway guys the question is for you what do you think about this that they have greenlit and expendables for most of the original cast is coming back except we're not getting to, uh, terry cruz we're not getting jet lee although if i remember correctly i think jet lee has some health issues or something going on right now anyway but we're getting the addition of tony job 50 cent i'm sure they're going to be more announcements about other stars coming along as well what do you guys think about this? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. And by the way, Terry sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Terry. Okay, guys, with those off the tops down and out of the way, let's now move on to our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campia show? Well, it's really simple. 
See, you guys come up with our main topics. You know, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you feel like we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. Rob, what is our first main topic today? Well, our first main topic, John, comes to us from Jared Oberfeld, who says, I just heard that Ed Asner passed away from my local NBC affiliate at the age of 91. What are your thoughts and which of his roles is your favorite? Well, I got to tell you, John, I mean, as a child of the 70s, uh, I love the Mary Tyler Moore show, and I especially loved its spinoff, Lou Grant, where um, Ed Asner played Lou Grant in both shows. But it, uh, the show Lou Grant was an hour-long drama, and Mary Tyler Moore was a sitcom. I loved Lou Grant. I watched, I don't know why. You know, it was one of those shows as a little kid. I always felt like, well, uh, I want to I meet a guy like this in my life, you know? It's, it's not the kind of thing that a kid should watch, but I loved, I loved it. I loved Lou Grant and Ed Asner. I mean, the guy's career, he's done everything from DC and Marvel animation to, uh, I, I, I mean, he's, he was in an episode of the X-Files, a Christmas episode of the X-Files. I mean, that guy, his career is astonishing. Anyway, this comes to us from Variety. Seven-time Emmy winning actor Ed Asner who starred as Lou Grant on the both, both the sitcom The Mary Tyler Moore Show and the hour-long drama Lou Grant before a late career rejuvenation through his poignant voice work in 2009's animated Up has died. He was 91. His publicist confirmed the news to Variety, writing that he died on Sunday surrounded by his family. Asner's official Twitter account posted a message from his family saying, Good night, Dad. We love you. John, what do you think? I mean, Lou Grant, uh, If you even if you haven't seen it, Ed Asner was a legend, man. He had a great career. Yeah, when I was a kid, you know, my parents would have reruns of some of the shows they used to watch in in previous years. So I became familiar with shows like Gilligan's Island and Mary Tyler Moore and Lou Grant. Mm-hmm. And, and it was great. Um, the dude won seven Emmys, seven Emmy Awards. Uh, all, I believe, all of them were for playing this character. Uh, some of them for playing the character on Mary Tyler Moore. Some of them for playing the same character on the Lou Grant uh, thing, which, by the way, and he was vocal. I mean, a lot of people think he got his show Lou Grant canceled because of his, you know, he was very politically active. He talked yes. a lot about the American uh, America's involvement in El Salvador and stuff like that. And some people believe that's the reason CBS canceled his show, but he didn't give a crap. Cause he's Ed Asner, you know, sort of right. thing. And then, you know, he, he did what a lot of people can't do. He then created a new career for himself. So now a lot of audiences today, like my age and younger, we think of him and like, we think of, how can you not think of up? How can you not think of Carl in up? How can you not think of Santa in elf? And Rob, you also pointed out he then made a very big career for himself in doing animated voice work. Like he totally reinvented his career and who he was and what his career was all about. And he became successful with different iterations of himself across multiple eras, which is Mm -hmm. very rare. And it's just it's it's hard to think of an entertainment industry today, Rob, without Ed Asner being around. 
Oh, you know, and I mean, he was in like the uh, Batman, the animated series. He had a recurring character that uh, Ro- Roland uh, Daggett. And I mean, he was the guy was great. Yeah, he could do comedy. He could do serious stuff. He could be political. He could be a voice animated character. He could be an iconic visual on screen. And yeah, I mean, listen, the dude, he got to live to 91 and he did what he loved all the way, all through those 91 years. And that is incredible. And uh, we celebrate the career of Ed Asner. Question is for you guys. What do you think? When you think about the great career of Ed Asner, do you think, are you an older one of our audience and you remember him from Lou Grant or Mary Tyler Moore? Are you one of the younger members of our audience and you think of him as Carl and Up or one of the other voice roles that he used to do? Whatever it is you guys think about when you think of Ed Asner, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. And Rob... What is our second main topic today? Well, John, our second main topic comes to us from Alan Renshaw, who says, I just saw an article on Deadline that said Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans will be starring in the new Dexter Fletcher directed movie called Ghosted. I'm excited to see these two work together again. And what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I love both of them. And what's not to love putting them together? I mean, I, I, I don't quite know what this is about, but here's what Deadline says. Apple Studios has set a high-profile project that will reteam Marvel stalwarts Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans in Ghosted, a romantic action adventure. That sounds pretty cool. That will be directed by Dexter Fletcher. He helmed Rocket Man and finished Bohemian Rhapsody. The stars are in advanced negotiations. The script is by Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, the writers of the Deadpool films and Zombieland, and most recently scripted Escape from Spiderhead. They hatched the idea and sold it to Skydance as a pitch. Uh, you know what? With that cast and now the writers, I'm in. Color me stoked, John. A romantic action adventure from the writers of Deadpool. Uh, starring Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Come on now. I mean, Who doesn't it, want to see that? Everything about this screams like this could be great. Now, I'll tell you what. I I interviewed once uh, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson together where I learned a lot about their history. Like, they were telling me that they had actually been best friends since they were teenagers. Like literally, like best friends, teenagers. They said there's there's not a week that goes by that we're not on the phone five, six times during the week together. Like they have just had that. And that's, I think part of the reason why they have such a great chemistry. Whenever we see them on screen together, they have a genuine great affection for each other, which is wonderful and contagious. They're both top notch performers. You add on top of that, the writers of Deadpool and you're calling this an action adventure rom-com sort of thing with these two people in the lead. I mean, I, I mean, seriously, what is there not to love? about this. This sounds fantastic. Now, obviously this is, this could go South. This could be like any romantic comedy or anything like this. It could totally go South. Absolutely. It could. But if you're just looking at something like this on the surface, first of all, I'm all any concept of Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson together, just because I've seen them off camera together. I am completely in for, uh, I like this director. I love these screenwriters and calling it a you know rom-com slash action adventure just kicks it up to that to that next level. And I'm not surprised, Rob, maybe you are. I'm not surprised to see that this is not being done by Disney. 
considering all the turmoil going on between Scarlett Johansson and Disney right now. But I think this looks and sounds fantastic. I, I really, really do. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this. The question is for you guys. What do you think about the sounds of Ghosted starring Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson with the writers of Deadpool? I think this has a lot of potential. Could go sideways, but who knows? Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? And before we do, I should mention our friends Kevin Cow and Nightspeed and uh, Lester John all send in Super Chat badges in the live chat. Thank you guys for that. We appreciate that very much. Okay, now let's get on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Henry Boss, who writes, Hey, John, and welcome back from CinemaCon. Thank you so much. The reactions and responses to Shang-Chi coming out of that screening were great from all the attendees. As we're now in the week of release, I was wondering how you think the movie will do at the box office. I know you said it was going to be a struggle, but with continued great word of mouth and a Rotten Tomato score in the 90s, what do you think now? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, it's finally here. The week of Shang-Chi is now here. We've waited and waited. You guys have heard me gushing about it. You guys have heard Rob gushing about it. You know, not everybody loves it as much as I do, but the vast majority of the people out there who have seen this film enjoy it. And I don't know if you guys will like it as much as me, but I feel very confident you're at least going to like it. I think you're going to have a good time. This, And of course, I just saw it at CinemaCon with Aaron. Rob, and Aaron was literally in tears. She was literally in tears <laughs> and punching the shit out of my arm uh, as, as the fights were going on. It was it was really, really fun to see. Which it's then, a fun movie. Oh, a damn fun movie, man. Damn I, I mean, fun I, movie. I, you know, I was explaining to somebody, and this this is kind of, I, I said, you know, it's, it's like Back to the Future. And somebody said, wait, what? And I said, well, when you watch Back to the Future, Every scene in Back to the Future is deliciously entertaining. Every scene. And I'm not saying that Shang-Chi is better than Back to the Future, but I kind of felt that every scene in Shang-Chi was really enjoyable. I just really had a lot of fun watching it. Like every scene offered some new morsel of deliciousness to bite into. And I hadn't seen a movie like that in a long time. A, a movie where... Every edit was just fun, you know, and you never knew like where it's where what's going to happen next, you know. And I, I was like, you, we, I saw it with you, and you know, you filmed me my reaction. But I think this movie is going to be surprising to a lot of people just because it's so damn fun to watch. Yeah, well, you know, I agree. I mean, I I think it's a damn fun movie to watch. It's great. It deserves to be a billion dollar film. One of one of the MCU's next installment of its billion dollar film. But it's not going to be. It's not going to be. No. So now that we're in the week of release and we're seeing all the word of mouth and we're hearing everybody talking about and stuff like that. Okay, we're now in the week of release. What should we expect from the box office results of Shang-Chi? The way they put in the email is correct. I have been telling you guys it's going to be a struggle for it at the box office. It doesn't matter how good the movie is because the movie's fantastic. 
But I've been telling you that this is going to be, it's going to struggle at the box office. Now, what will it ultimately come out to? I'm not sure. But we've covered this before, but let's cover it again a little bit and, and jump into the Campia classroom here for a second. Okay, so there's a couple things you got to keep in mind about why Shang-Chi, you've got to temper your expectations for how this is going to do at the box office. Because yes, the movie is great. That works in its favor. Yes, it's getting great positive word of mouth. That is also working in its favor. But it has some real things working against it. First, we're going to start with this. And we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. This is a, man, it's weird to type without my thumb, a new uh, character for most people, right? This is a brand new IP, Rob. Shang-Chi's brand new. Now, you can make the argument and say, well, John, Guardians of the Galaxy was thing too. Yeah, but that's an exception. That's an exception. It can certainly still be a big financial hit being a new character, but being a brand new character that none of the audience has ever heard of before, really, that is absolutely working against what its box office, uh, what its box office chances are. Also, you got a no big MCU characters. Unlike, say, Spider-Man when he launched in the MCU, he had Iron Man there with him. He had Iron Man coming along for the ride, right? And that's not really the case here. We don't really have that. Yeah, we get a quick, quick glimpse of Wong in the uh, in the trailer, and Wong is one of my favorite guys in the MCU, by the way. But let's face it, he's not like the top shelf of the characters there, so there's that. Also, depending on what country you live in, no big named actors. Now, sure, if you're from China, you can say, Tony Leung's in this thing, baby. I, I, yeah, but for most of the world, people recognize Aquafina, yes. If you're Canadian, you probably recognize Simu Lu. But the reality here is this doesn't have any big names. It's not like a Venom that can have Tom Hardy in it. That was part of the reason why it did $800 million at the box office or more. Not the reason, but part of the reason. So you got... You know, this is a brand new character for most people. There's no big MCU characters in it. There's no big named actors in it. Also, I mean, the elephant in the room, the pandemic with the Delta variant going around, causing havoc and all that kind of stuff. That's as, as it is affecting all movies right now. The pandemic is also going to affect Shang-Chi. But Shang-Chi also has working against it. The no big named actors, no MCU characters this is a brand new character for the most part for a lot of people. It's. You just got to keep in mind, Rob, I'm not saying, Rob, what I am not saying here is that Shang-Chi can't do great. It absolutely could. It could defy the odds, beat expectations, and come in really, really strong. It could. I'm just saying, you know, we movie fans really let reality go a lot when we start making our box office predictions. It's going to make $400 million opening weekend. Well, no. I'm just saying we got to temper our expectations. I mean, and that's not a reflection on how great the movie is. The movie's great. But I am still sticking, Rob. I said this over a week ago. I'm going to say this. I John's prediction. Uh, John's prediction is going to be, give or take, I'm going to say $45 million. Rob, I, I think $45 million is probably a realistic Rec a realistic target that this movie can make. I think that's significantly better than what the uh, the Suicide Squad did, and I thought the Suicide Squad deserved much, much, much better. 
Um, it's obviously not as good as Black Widow, but Black Widow, big name superstar, very recognizable MCU character. A lot of people have been waiting for this movie for years to get made, blah, blah, blah. All that kind of stuff is going to make Black Widow supersede it. But I think if they can hit $45 million opening weekend domestically, I think Disney will look at that and say, okay, understanding all the limitations, we can live with that. Uh, now, some, for all I know, Rob, this thing could surprise everybody and come out swinging and make 70, make, make fast nine money, which I think is hard to believe, but maybe can make fast nine money at 70 million. Maybe it could make Black Widow money at 80 million. But I said last week, I'm guessing 35 to 45. I'm adjusting now up to 45, solid on 45. That's going to be my guess. Rob, let me ask you. What are some of the pros and cons you see going for Shang-Chi going into this weekend for its box office results? And where is your prediction on where it's going to land? Well, first of all, you know, I, I just watched, there's a new trailer out uh, for it, which I think is actually a really, really good trailer that that shows a lot more of the movie than they've shown before. Because to, to my mind, they were really holding back what's actually in this movie. Like that was the one of the surprising things to me was I I thought it was going to be a different movie than the movie that we saw and I was very pleasantly surprised at where it goes and what it does and I think that they were underselling that so it's nice to see this new trailer uh, uh, delve more into the joys of the film but I look I want to be optimistic about this I'm going to go even higher than you I think I I'm going to give it fifty fifty million. So you're going to say um, 50 million. I'm going to say 50 because I, you know, I, I honestly believe that this is going to be a movie that audiences are going to flock to once they know how good it is. I mean, I know there's a lot of people, even fans of the Marvel universe, they're all, it's being poo-pooed, you know, you and I, and, and a lot of the first reviewers of the film were accused of being shills, which always delights me to no end. I, I frequently said, John, I, you, my, my opinion is for sale. If you would like to pay me to call your movie good, I'll take your money. I will. I will take your money. But, John, I can honestly say in the time I've lived on this planet, no one has ever offered me money for my opinion. And I don't think that they ever will unless they, you know, want me to continue. Uh, uh, viewers of this show and viewers of my own YouTube programming excluded because they do. And uh, I don't chill for them, you know. So I just think I love this movie. And I, I want audiences to go see it because it's just a damn fine time at the picture show. And uh, I hope people I hope people go. You know, I'd be remiss that uh, if you do go to the theater this weekend and you're in New York and L.A., you can go see Tango Shalom right after you see Shang-Chi. <laughs> That's right, which is Rob's film, everybody. Make sure you check your listings to see if it's going to be playing around to you. So uh, go see both. And I forgot one thing, Rob. I forgot. And talking about the things that are working against it. I, I forgot one thing. Um, I, I called it meh trailers. I, I like, don't get me wrong. I don't think the trailers for Shang-Chi have been bad. I, it's just that I don't really think they're all that great, which is part of the reason why when I saw it for the first time, I was overwhelmed because I was yeah. not expecting it. Because Rob, we, we said this. Remember I told you this before. Because of the trailers were just meh, they're okay. I mean, I liked a couple of things, I, especially seeing Wong and Abomination in that one trailer. Like, ah! But overall, the trailer was still, it was okay. Overall, the, the marketing campaign for Shang-Chi has been meh. Coupled with the fact, and we've talked about this a few times, but couple that with the fact that Kevin Feige himself 
all he talks about is Eternals. That's, that's, that's all he's talked about like for the last six months, which led people like you and me to kind of think, okay, so Black Widow is probably good, but not great. And Shang-Chi is probably okay, but not great. And sure enough, I saw Black Widow. Now, you like Black Widow more than me. But for me personally, I saw Black Widow. And I thought, okay, this is good, but it's not great. I didn't love it. So I fully expected to watch Shang-Chi and be like, same way. Okay, it was good. It was good. I wasn't expecting how great it was. But those meh trailers aren't just setting expectations. I think they are going to hurt the potential box offices going to get. I mean, Rob, I have no doubt this movie is so much better than Black Widow. I, I think it deserves to make much more than Black Widow did opening weekend, but it won't. I, it just won't. I hope it does. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I'm going to say right now 45. And uh, just once again, my prediction right now is going to be 45 million opening weekend. Uh, Rob, your prediction is going to be 50 million. Again, yeah. understand all the things working against it. It's brand new character. Nobody recognizes them. No big MCU characters in it. No big name stars or actors to attract the average fan. The pandemic is a very real thing that's hurting the box office still. And it's had a mediocre at best kind of marketing campaign. Mediocre at best marketing campaign. So uh, that's all going to be working against it. Now, if it makes less than that, like if it makes in the 30s, I think they got to consider that a disappointment. If it makes anything at 45 or over, I think they got to consider it a little bit of a win. I think they got to consider a bit of a win. So uh, that's where I'm coming in on that. I've already got my tickets for Thursday night. I'm going to be seeing it for a fourth damn time. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this damn movie again. Actually, Rob, two story. So Ann and I have tickets for the AMC Dolby Prime Theater on Thursday night at 930. So Ann, who has seen the movie, she grabs me yesterday after I got home from the hospital and she's like, oh, hey, listen, there's an IMAX screening as well at 6 p.m. Do you want to see that too? I'm like, you want to go see it at 6 p.m. in IMAX and at 9.30 at, in the AMC Dolby Prime? She goes, yeah. And I'm like, I fucking love you. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my wife, ladies and gentlemen. That is my wife. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. You've heard all the early word about it. Everybody seems to like this film. Question is, how do you think it's actually going to do at the box office? I mean, it's going to do better at the box office because everybody loves it. But how much better? I'm still pegging it around 45 or 50 because all those things. Maybe you guys think it's going to do better. Whatever you guys think, jump on down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down... Let's move into main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Darren Wilson. And Darren Wilson writes, Hey, John and team. Hope you're all doing well. I've just seen that the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer broke the 24-hour viewing record, which is exciting. But my question is that clearly Spider-Man is more popular than ever with the MCU banner attached. So do you think we could be looking at a future, a further extension, I should say of the Sony slash Disney contract? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, man. And yes, now this obviously happened a number of days ago on our first day at CinemaCon, We were the first people that they showed the, the, the first brand new Spider-Man, no way home trailer. That wasn't that crappy piece of garbage leak that they put online. 
So they, you know, the, the chairman of Sony Pictures came out. He introduced the trailer. They played the trailer for us. And a little bit later that evening, they put it online for the world to see. And it broke all kinds of records. It broke all kinds of records, including more views in its first 24 hours than Endgame did. This comes to us from Deadline, who writes, After dropping the teaser at CinemaCon and on social media Monday night, the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home racked up an all-time viewership record of 355.5 million global views in its first 24 hours, blowing away the previous record holder, Disney Marvel's Avengers Endgame, which drove 289 million views. Simply wow. No Way Home's draw is more than that is more than double that of the second trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, which hit 135 million views at the 24-hour mark. That movie, released in 2019, reps Sony's largest grossing title in the studio's history with $1.131 billion. The pick opened across six days, racking up $185 million. And wow is right. Wow is right. And it leaves us now asking the question, a couple of questions, really. One question is, why did this trailer get that many views? Because let's face it, it's not the best trailer Marvel's ever put out. No. It, I, I thought it was a very good trailer. I enjoyed it a lot. But it ain't the best trailer Marvel's ever put out. So why did it do so well? And, and number two is, seeing this kind of interest in this movie, does this help the chances of Sony and Disney re-upping their deal to extend so uh, Spider-Man's stay in the MCU? Or do these numbers actually hurt the chances that Spider-Man stays in the MCU? My opinion on this might surprise you. But let's talk about first, Rob, the question about why. Why did this trailer get so many eyeballs? I, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think, one, obviously Spider-Man is an insanely popular character. Two, I don't, I think it speaks a little bit to the fact that a lot more people are like me that aren't really super interested in a standalone Black Widow project. And I think a lot of people are looking at this Spider-Man movie as the true kind of launch, if you will, of, you know, our familiar MCU, Eternals notwithstanding. So I think a lot of people have been really waiting for this movie, you know, in the middle of the the variant and all that kind of stuff of the the uh, the uh, the Delta uh, aspect of the pandemic, all that kind of stuff. I just think people were really, really excited. They didn't know what was going to be in it. Not people didn't know if we were going to see Andrew Garfield pop up in it or not, or if Tobey Maguire was going to pop up in it or not. I mean, all that kind of stuff. So I think there was a lot of curiosity. I think it's a popularity thing. I think it's a buildup of anticipation thing. There's a lot of aspects in there. As far as the question, though, Rob, about whether or not this helps or hurts the chances of Spider-Man staying in the MCU longer, I think it actually hurts the chances of Spider-Man staying in the MCU longer. I really do. I think more than ever, Sony is absolutely confident that they can take Spider-Man now and take him back into their Sony-verse, if you will. And they're going to be able to do great things with it. Because here's the thing. All this trailer has done and all the popularity of the trailer has done is increased the profile of Spider-Man. They've just made the IP of Spider-Man even more valuable. And now Sony knows 
that we take it back, we're taking back an even more valuable IP than we would have if we took them back six months ago or a year ago when they were going to take them back, you know, back at D23 of last time. So I think if anything, Rob, I think the success of this thing is only is only going to embolden Sony that their plan to take Spider-Man back is the right move and the right plan. And it'll, you know, send everything off with a big bang. And by the way, I know people don't like hearing me say it, but tough. I think Sony is going to do very well with Spider-Man, especially because, listen, I still think to this day that Sony has made the two best Spider-Man movies that have ever been made. They made Spider-Man 2 and they made Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And to me, those are two the, the those are still the two best Spider-Man films ever made. And so I think they're going to do just fine. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, Rob, that's why I think this trailer was so popular. And I actually think the popularity of this is going to hurt the chances of Spider-Man staying in the MCU for, for too mu- terribly much longer. Rob, you saw the trailer. First of all, what, what did you think about the trailer? Why do you think it got so many eyeballs? And does the success of this trailer hurt or help the idea of Spider-Man staying in the MCU any longer? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, look, I'm excited. I like Tom Holland's take on Spider-Man. I've enjoyed the first two Spider-Man movies, and I've enjoyed Tom Holland's appearances as Spider-Man in movies like Civil War. It's been fun for me. But I, I haven't loved those Spider-Man movies as much as I've wanted to because I I kind of want to see a Spider-Man movie where it's really just him, you know? that, that Right. I, 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 but... That that said, uh, it clearly looks intriguing. I do like the fact that the movie kicks off from where the last movie ended in this dilemma that Spider-Man has been outed and that he's gone to Doctor Strange. I mean, I, I just that idea appeals to me, you know, that he goes to Doctor Strange to help him out. I mean, that's kind of what you do. Like if you if you live, you were in the New York of the MCU and you knew you had a problem, you'd go to Dr. Strange because he has a particular set of skills and you ask him to use those sets of skills and then you don't really think about it and in the middle of him trying to help you, you're like, wait, wait, no, 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 I, I, I did, uh, 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 and it goes all uh, foobar. I like that. I think that it seems good. I like the idea of this movie. I just hope, the thing that I was thinking about when I saw the trailer was, I just hope that it isn't too much like the movie becomes this huge gimmick the universes are colliding. Everything's going crazy. And Spider-Man himself as a character gets lost in all these shenanigans. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I love my multiverse reality splitting apart and all that. But I also like Spider-Man. And sometimes I just enjoy Spider-Man, Peter Parker being Spider-Man. You know, do, do we have to have the cataclysmic universes colliding? Well, in this movie, we have it. I just hope he's not overwhelmed. I, I hope we we just get a lot of Spider-Man in the movie. But that said, uh, come on. It certainly looks like it's going to be cool. And I can't, I'm not going to lie, John, when Doc Ock, when Alfred Molina shows up at the end and says, hello, Peter, I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I mean, look, I'm a sucker. I'm an easy lay for these movies. And uh, I that that just, how could you not like that? How can and you get the pumpkin bomb? So is Willem Dafoe going to show up? You know, you look at all the little videos people have made about uh, 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 little Easter eggs and things. I mean, 
this, I can't deny, John. I'm pretty excited to see this movie. Yeah. Do I'm, I think it's going to do well? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's going to make a billion. Probably will make. You know, we talked about which movie would make it to 100 million first. I think this might be. If anybody, if any movie is going to gross a billion dollars of the movies that are coming out, I think Spider Man's probably once again our top candidate for that. Uh, I don't know if it can during a global pandemic. We'll see where we are, where we are December 17th. But um, I think it's going to be huge. I also think it ups the value of Sony's Spider-Verse. And maybe this is their last hurrah with Marvel. You know, and now yeah. it's going to go back and they're going to, the next story is going to be about Craven the Hunter, which they could do. That's going to come right out of the spot. Because do they need Marvel anymore? I don't know. They, they See, this is the thing. And everybody doesn't like it when I say it, but it's the truth. Sony doesn't need Marvel, and Marvel doesn't need Spider-Man. I mean, it's great. I have very much enjoyed, like, Rob, you know, I really enjoy Spider-Man Far. I probably like Spider-Man Far From Home and Homecoming more, more than even you do. I think I like those, those films. I like those films a lot. I've really enjoyed it. But the reality is this. Marvel doesn't need Spider-Man especially with the fact that they have 5,000 characters and they're about to get 5,000 more once the X-Men universe and mutants and the Fantastic Four and all that stuff come in there. And on top of that, Sony doesn't even, you know, and I hear all these people saying, Spider-Man can't be successful without Marvel. Really? Because history proves otherwise. Th this Before the MCU got going, the Spider-Man franchise was very financially successful. The first Spider-Man film did good. The second man did better. The third, even though I hate the third one, but the third one made tons of money. This is before the new era where, where comic book movies were the number one driving force at the box office. That was before all that. And then everybody said, Venom can't, uh, Venom's going to flop without Spider-Man and Venom can't do well. Guess what? Venom made $800 million without Spider-Man in it. So don't tell me. Like you're you're just you're just sending a lot of smoke up the proverbial sky god's ass when you start saying Sony can't be successful with Spider-Man without Marvel because that's bullshit. Obviously they can. That doesn't mean they will do a good job. I mean they could fall on their faces. Absolutely they could. I mean this this could turn out completely horribly. But the reality is, like I said, they've made the two best Spider-Man. They've made better Spider-Man movies than Marvel ever did. They also made worse Spider-Man movies than Marvel ever did. So let's not forget the flip side of that coin either. But they have had great success. With Venom, they have shown they can create this universe and they didn't even need Spider-Man in it, let alone needing the MCU. I think Morbius is going to do really well. They showed us some more Morbius footage at CinemaCon too, by the way, oh, which got that look? everybody excited. It looked great. It looked great. Aaron, was, Aaron hates spiders, but she was like jumping up and down and excited about it. So that's all cool. So... Yeah, look, but the bottom line is this. I think you're right, Rob. I think this is the final Spider-Man film we're going to see under the MCU. I think this is the last one. I believe they have a contract for Tom Holland to appear as Spider-Man in one more film, but it won't be a Spider-Man movie. You know what I mean? Right. It'll be like Hulk showing up in Thor Ragnarok kind of thing. So I think we'll probably get one more of that. And then I think what we're going to see is him go back over. Now, it's still possible. Rob, you know this. It's still possible until as long as there's still time left on the clock, a buzzer beater can happen, right? There is it. Remember back at the last D23 a couple of years ago, it was done. The Sony and Marvel deal over Spider-Man was done. But guess what? At the last second, they hammered out a new deal and they extended it a little bit. 
So it is obviously still possible, Rob, that Sony and Marvel, maybe Kevin Feige goes, you know what? I've got this new idea for the future of the MCU and it becomes very Spider-Man centric. And they go to Sony and say, hey, can we, is there something we can do to re-up this deal? And maybe they, maybe they give Sony something that they wouldn't have given Sony before. Maybe they say, you know what? You can have Captain America in there. I, I mean, I'm just pulling ideas out of my ass here, but it is still possible that Marvel could make Sony an offer they can't refuse or Sony could make Disney an offer they can't refuse. And it's still on the table. As long as there's still time on the clock, anything can happen. I just think the grand scheme is when they signed a new deal, it was so they could just end it properly. That's what I think. I, because... Rob, when they were killing their deal before, it was very sudden. It was, it, things still felt unfinished. I said at the time, and I still believe that they extended the deal so they could all make more money together and so they could wrap it up properly and create a transition. So I would say, I would give it an 80% chance that this is the final Tom Holland Spider-Man movie in the MCU and then he goes over. But I, I don't know, what do you think about that? Well, uh, you know, what I find really interesting is if you look at, like, even though Doctor Strange is in this trailer, it's the Doc Ock appearance at the end that I was like, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. And that was to all Sony. You know, that <laughs> I think the big attraction, what's interesting, if the rumors pan out, most of these cameos come from Sony. You know, it's not, it's not Marvel. And uh, I, I think that... Um, that's telling, you know, rather than put more X Avengers or whatever in the movie, they've gone back to their own well, and that's what they're they're banking on. And uh, I think that's 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 a very that's Sony saying, you know what, this is our franchise. Let's I know we've been dabbling with you over there, Disney and Marvel, but we're going to take this franchise back and make it ours once again. We've got Venom and Carnage. We've got Morbius. We've got Craven the Hunter. We've got Spider-Man. We don't need, like you said, we don't need anybody else. And wait, what was your original question? <laughs> well, what, do you, what, are the, what are the chances you see? What are the chances? I'm saying it's an 80% chance that once the Spider-Man film is done and whatever last appearance Tom Holland needs to make, I think it's an 80% chance that they don't oh. re-up the deal and that he goes back over to Sony. I, I agree with you. Because it, 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 it is, I don't think they, they need to go with Marvel. I think they'll keep their options open. You know, if Marvel wants to make some big blowout like Endgame or Infinity War again, why wouldn't it would just benefit Sony to be able to include its free advertising for their own character? But I think you're absolutely right. 80%, I think that that's what Sony, what I meant, my answer to your question was, I think that this movie itself is the best evidence that sony's going to take back spider-man mm. and they're not going to need spider-man they they don't need the mcu they've got their own they got three they've got three movies three spider themed movies out on deck for the next six months you know you've got carnage you've got spider-man and you've got morbius those are all part those are three that's as that's as rigorous a, a schedule as marvel has mm. and it's all spider-man centric so i think you're right man they're they're going to take back spider-man for good not i'm saying that maybe they can lend him out if they want to on a case-by-case -case basis but i think after this movie and after his appearance and whatever marvel film he's going to show up in i think they're going to take him back and they're going to make sony only spider-man movies for another at least a trilogy of them 
Well, then the question becomes, what Spider-Man does Sony give us? Are they going to give us the Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man Into the Multiverse Spider-Man quality? Or are they going to give us Spider-Man 3 or the Amazing Spider-Man 2 level of quality? And and that's that's going to be the big question. Which one are we going to get? Because listen, if we get the Spider-Man quality that we got in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I still think is either the best or the second best Spider-Man movie ever made, right along with Spider-Man 2, uh, then it's going to be really, really special. It's going to be really special. If, however, they end up giving us the Spider-Man 2 or the Amazing Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3 quality level, well, then it's going to be a disaster. So it's all going to be about how do they approach it now. But, but Rob, they seem to be on a roll. And and I just love that Spider-Verse thing. Yeah, you know what? I think that they've learned... There, there are, are lessons to be learned over the last 15 years of comic book movies to see what works and what doesn't. And what you don't want to do is over... I thought Spider-Man 3, Raimi's Spider-Man 3, was just overstuffed. And it was overstuffed with lots of... It, it, it lost its way, I thought. There was just too much in it. And you forget that at the heart of everything is, is Spider-Man's us. Spider-Man is the everyman. It's the every person who gain these powers from a radioactive spider. And, and that's why people love Spider-Man because they see themselves in Spider-Man. And, and probably he's the most relatable superhero. I mean, I, I, can, I can recognize Kal-El from Krypton being a great person, but I could be Spider-Man. So could you. So could anybody. And I think that's why Spider-Man's enduring appeal uh, lives on year after year after year. And I think that, um, you know, that's I think what Sony knows this and they've seen how things work and what I don't think we're going to get an amazing Spider-Man 2 or I don't think we're going to get another Spider-Man 3 I think we're going to get more along the lines of what the MCU Sony hybrids Spider-Man movies have given us and I think we're going to get a lot more things like into the Spider-Verse you know what that reminds me of something you know who has been one of the most unsung heroes I think and somebody who's not gotten anywhere near the attention they deserve when looking at the success that Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home had and what we're probably going to get with Spider-Man No Way Home, everybody talks Tom Holland. Tom Holland's great. Everybody talks Zendaya. She's done great in this. Everybody talks Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige. He is the architect. Nobody talks about John Watts. Nobody talks about John Watts. When we talk about, you know, Civil War and stuff like that, yeah, people talk, hey, the Russo brothers. Nobody, this guy has done nothing but a great job. He has come into a very, very difficult situation, take one of the most popular comic book characters in history and make his movies, by the way, now that he's in the MCU. And all John Watts has done has stepped in and executed almost perfectly. And nobody, and we're as guilty as, as it is anybody else, Rob. Nobody has given this guy the credit he deserves. He's done a terrific job with this. And I'm very, very excited to see what he's going to do with a with a Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought the trailer was terrific. I really did enjoy it. I mean, again, it's not the best Marvel trailer, but I still thought it did a lot to get people excited, obviously with breaking records. Question is for you guys. What do you think about, number one, the fact, why do you think that it broke all these viewership records? But number two, do you think 
the success of No Way Home, and let's face it, it's going to be successful, helps or hurts the idea of Spider-Man staying in the MCU and what Sony decides to do with it. I think they're definitely going to bring him back over. Well, not definitely, 80%. Maybe yes, maybe no. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's now move on and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? Once again, if you want to send in a live comment or question on the show to be read on the show or in an upcoming companion video, simply use the tip link down below or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on a show if, of course, it's appropriate for us to use on the show. We don't guarantee that we'll read them if they're not appropriate. But most importantly, you're also supporting our channel and all of us involved here with the show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Okay, let's get on over and start taking your questions, shall we? We're going to start things off with, uh, we're not starting with the sock. Give me a second. I got misplaced here. Hold on a second. I will find out where we are. Uh, do, 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 do. It's so good coming back from a trip away. Um, okay. Yes, here we are. We're going to get things started off here with Sam Fisher, who writes, Have you seen the movie I Know That Voice? It came out in 2018 and is on Amazon. It's a documentary about voice actors. Everyone's in it. Uh, John DiMaggio, Billy West, Hank Azaria, Jim Cummings, Tara Strong, June Foray, Mark Hamill, uh, Tom Kenny, Rob Paulson, and more. I have not seen, I have heard about this, Rob, but I've never actually watched it, and I really have no excuse. I should watch it because that topic fascinates me. Have you had a chance to see this documentary? No, I have not. I, I'm going to put it on my list, though, Sam. Thanks for putting that back on my radar because I absolutely need to watch that. Thanks for reminding us all about it. All right, next up, Anonymous Viewer writes, uh, Hey, John, love the John Campus Show and your amazing team. Thank you so much, man. Uh, being underwhelmed with the lack of opportunity by the amazing Ray Winstone has uh, had to shine in Black Widow. This led me to finally watch his movie Scum from 1979, a tough watch but outstanding movie. I have not seen that in a while. Now, I remember, Rob, do you remember that uh, that animated film Beowulf? Remember they did that animated yep. version of Beowulf? Yeah, yeah. yep. Yep. And Ray Winstone did the, the main lead voice of it. That got me on a little bit of a Ray Winstone kick. And I somebody recommended to me to watch Scum. It is a hard watch. It's about basically the brutal life inside uh, in the UK of a, of a juvenile detention place, basically kid jail. And it's 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 a tough one. But Ray Winstone's incredible. You ever had a chance to watch that one, Rob? I have. I, you know, I saw it when it came out. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was, that was back when like, you know, Robert Zemeckis was making those like the polar express and he, he started well, going Wolf, off. On, yeah. 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 He went off on that tangent and they made a lot of those kinds of movies. And I, I, you know, I, 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 I liked them. They were interesting. And, and, you know, Beowulf was, I like Beowulf. I liked that story. So I thought it was good. It was good. Uh, but have you seen scum? 19 the 1979 Ray Winstone film Scum. Oh, that no, I have not seen that. It's 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 brutal, but it's good. I you I think it's one you'd actually like, Rob. You should check that uh, one out. Uh, it's right up my alley. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, World's Greatest Detective writes, uh, my, who is probably also the one who sent in the last question, my Ray Winstone experience reminded me of what you say about comic book movie fans. For example, if you love the Black Widow character but have never seen Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, or Lost in Translation, you're missing out. Yeah, it's true. A lot of times, these actors will appear in an MCU movie or a DCU movie and think, oh, he's great because of this. It's like, 
you guys don't even know. Like, what they're doing in the MCU isn't even near the top-notch level stuff of what they actually do. And the same is true of Scarlett Johansson, because you're right. Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, Lost in Translation, and many others. Her. She almost got an Oscar nomination for a movie her face never even shows up in. Right. Um, Ray Winstone is one of those guys, world's greatest detective. So I think that's great that you uh, you uh, mentioned that one. All right, let's move on here. Jonathan writes, I'm not a fan of rom-coms and I especially hate teen rom-coms, which is why when I went to see an early screening for five feet apart, it was absolute torture, like having my nails pulled kind of torture. <laughs> what genre can you just not stand or refuse to watch? That's a good question, Jonathan, but honestly, none. Like, there are genres, Rob, that I gravitate more towards. Like, obviously, action-adventure, sci-fi, heist films, you know, things like that. I gravitate more towards those. But you show me a great period piece, I'll eat it up. You show me a great political thriller from the 1960s, I'll eat it up. You show me a good biopic, I'll eat it up. You show me a good rom-com, I'll eat it up. I mean, I honestly don't have, like, in music, I don't like country music. What what can I say? I, I don't like country music. But even then, the odd really good thing comes out. Like, I'll listen to some Chris Stapleton. You know, every once in a while, a good thing will come out, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll listen to it and enjoy it too. But unlike that... I honestly don't have a genre that I instantly don't like just because it's that genre. I, I can pretty much like any genre of stuff. Rob, what about you? I, I'm with you on this, John. I mean, I'll watch any film that's good. It, I don't care if it's a musical. I don't care if it's a historical thriller, a foreign film, whatever. Any, any story, there's no genre musicals. There's no genre I will not watch as right. long as the story's good. Yeah. And, you know, there's all. They all have a yeah. good potential there. All right. We move on here. Next up, David from South Carolina writes, Hey, John, hearing Chadwick Boseman's voice one last time in the MCU was heartwarming. Uh, I'm from the same hometown as Chad, and although he left us too soon, he left an impression on this world fitting of a king. Thank you for all you do. Yeah, listen, I really liked, I did enjoy the second episode of What If. I thought it was a, a good step up from the first one. And hearing Chadwick Boseman's voice one more time, the way I described it, Rob was saying it made my heart smile. It did. The moment he started talking and you realize that, okay, that because not, not every MCU actor came to do their voices. I mean, a lot of them did, not all of them did, but the moment he started talking and you recognize that voice and you're like, it just made my heart smile. I also like that it was its own story, unlike the Captain Carter one, which is just kind of a replay of the Captain America story. This one was its own story. By the way, did you see episode three of What If? Uh, not yet, because I was gone. I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, okay. I actually quite enjoyed the third one. I quite enjoyed the third one from what it was. It's it's more of a murder mystery. The third one's kind of a murder mystery, and I uh, I really dug it. And I I kind of like the way it all played out. Anyway, uh, that's just uh, that's just my take. You saw the second episode though, the one with Chad. Yeah, yeah. What did you think yeah. of that one? What did you think of that? Episode? I liked it. I mean, I, I I really liked it. I thought it was really good. It was bittersweet. To be sure. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was neat. All right. Next up, 
Slim Kim writes, I believe and hope Andrew and Toby aren't in No Way Home. I mean, why would they even want to come back? Sony literally fired them from their franchises in favor of another actor. That's actually not true, Slim. That's not true at all. And especially Andrew, why would he want to come back and star behind the guy who replaced him? He didn't replace him, just so you know. It doesn't make sense. Yet another one of multiple other reasons for me to believe that they aren't in the movie. Well, listen, Slim Kim, I see what you're saying. However, let's clear this up right now. First of all, they did not fire Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire. They didn't fire them to replace them with other actors. They literally just decided that this series, we are moving on from this series. It wasn't, nobody ever said, oh, we don't like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man now. Let's fire him and replace him. No, no, no. They decided this series is now done. And as Tobey was the Spider-Man of that series... That means his time was now done. But they didn't fire him and replace him with another actor. They literally decided they wanted to start the franchise over. And if you're going to do that, you have to start fresh with a new cast and a new actor. They never fired him. Same thing with Andrew Garfield. They never fired Andrew Garfield and replaced him with Tom Holland. They literally just decided... You know, we we had a great first Amazing Spider-Man, but the second one took us off the rails and we don't feel like we can recover from what we did with that second one. Therefore, we're going to start again and we're going to partner up with the MCU now and do this whole thing. And in doing that requires you to get a new actor. Yeah, I'm sure Toby was disappointed and I'm sure Andrew was disappointed, but they never went to Andrew Garfield and said, you're not good enough to be Spider-Man and fired him. That never happened. So listen, There is still no proof that Andrew Garfield, no matter what anybody is telling you, there is still no proof that Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are going to be in this movie. I personally, Rob, I've been saying this for a long time. I think they will be. I personally think we're going to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in this movie. But I say that knowing that we don't actually have any proof that that's the case, so I'm not convinced of it, but I personally believe we are going to see them in this but they weren't fired. So I I still think there's a, there's a pretty decent chance. Rob, what do you, how would you respond to that uh, message? Uh, I, I, you know what (laughs) I thought, I think they are going to be in the movie. You know, I, like you said, I think showing doc Ock was enough of a tip off. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that you're right. Yeah. Again, there's no proof of it, but I just believe they will be. Whether or not that's true, we'll find out soon enough. All right. Uh, next up, Carlos Sosa writes, Hey, John. Uh, I bought tickets for Shang-Chi on opening day in Burbank AMC 16. Nice. In IMAX. Um, and was able to get middle seats. I can't wait for this movie. After all the great reviews, it will be my first time seeing an MCU movie in theaters since Endgame. That's awesome, Carlos. You know, it's funny. I was just watching some reviews, some on uh, some uh, YouTube reactions to people seeing the various early screenings that have been held across the country. And it's crazy how many people said, Like I saw this one where this dad took his kid to go see it. And he said, going in, this is my first time in a movie theater in over a year, man, almost a year and a half since I've been in a movie theater. It's crazy seeing a lot of people going back and what a great way to come back to the movies than with a great movie like Shang-Chi. I hope you have a great time, my friend and enjoy the AMC Burbank 16. That was my home theater for many years, dude. I love that theater. All right. Next up, uh, Ryan Trabuco writes, Hey, John. Just rewatched Age of Ultron on Disney Plus. It included scenes with Thor's of uh, with Thor's vision of the Infinity Stones. I thought these were originally deleted uh, because I don't remember 
them in all the times I've seen the movie. Have a great week at CinemaCon, which of course we did. No, I. It's been a beat since I've seen that. Rob, do you do you know what what uh, Ryan is talking about here? Uh, again, rewatch Age of Ultron on Disney Plus. It includes scenes with Thor's vision of the Infinity Stones. I th- yeah, when he was in that like fever dream state in the yeah, pool, yeah. right? Uh, right. Uh, there, I, oh, there's a deleted scene uh, from the movie that I recall that that it was on the the Blu-ray or the 4K. They probably I don't know if they include that in the movie if they added it in there, but I'm sure it's on their special features because they've got a lot of great special features. There's more. There's more special features, for instance, on Endgame on Disney Plus yes. than there was on the physical media release. Yeah, which is, they got to do more of that. They absolutely have to do more of that. Uh, all right. Thanks for writing that, Ryan Trubuco. And by the way, Ryan tipped in like $20. Thank you, Ryan, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Really appreciate that, dude. All right. Next up, Dylan writes, could we see an Agent Carter TV series revival on Disney Plus? Or do you think Kevin Feige has his hands full with the other shows currently in development? I would like to see more of it since it only lasted 18 episodes. No, I, I don't think so. Would I be down for one? Yeah, but the reality is the ratings were never all that good on the show. Um, and season two wasn't as good as season one. Like, I loved Agent Carter, Rob, season one. I loved season one. I did too. Season two was still pretty good, but I thought it took a big step down in quality. And the reality is it never had the numbers. So I don't, with all the options available to Kevin Feige, I don't see him going back to do Agent Carter season three. I don't know. What do you think? Are there, is there chances for Agent Carter to come back on Disney Plus? I doubt it. Um, but anything's possible, but I, I don't think they're going to bring that series back. Yeah, I don't either. All right, next up. We go to Chris Brown official who also tips in like 20 bucks. Thank you, Chris, for supporting our channel on that level, dude. Uh, Hey, John. Uh, So irritating. Um, Hey, John. Not you, Chris. uh, My freaking hand thing. Um, Long time watcher. First time tipping. Well, thanks for being with us, man. I had to comment on uh, on my favorite scene in Free Guy. When he is running across the bridge at the end, the music cover of Fantasy was surprisingly fitting and emotional, especially after losing his friend. Yeah, listen, I'll tell you what. That, By the way, that movie is still in second place at the box office. It only took a 20-something percent drop from last weekend after only taking a 33% drop. It's now, Free Guy's officially now profitable, Rob. It's official. It's now in the black. It's actually made money. Uh, yeah, it's at $179 million worldwide. Yeah, they're saying by the end of tomorrow, it's going to cross like $185, uh, something like that, and then whatever it adds. But the 175 mark was where they were saying profitability needed to happen. So it was about $100, $100 million to make the movie. They spent, from the reports I saw, they spent about $25 million on the marketing of it, which means which meant they needed to cross somewhere around the one. They needed to cross around, yeah, 180, somewhere around 180 for them to actually become profitable. So it looks like Free Guy is actually only on its theatrical release going to be profitable and make money. So congrats to all the folks at Fox who made it. Congrats to Ryan Reynolds for doing it, all that kind of stuff. It's really, really great to hear. John, do you know what the number one domestic box office grocer is for right the year? Now? Oh, for the yeah. year? Yeah, for, for 2021. Domestic the, box office gross for the year. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Fast Nine, F Nine, Black Widow. 
It is black. I knew it was what? either going to be Black Widow or Fast Nine. I didn't know which. Black one for Widow's sure. at 181 million, and Fast Nine is at 172 million. Oh, domestic. I knew it was close. I knew it was close. Who? Big surprise! An MCU film is the number one domestic grossing film of the year so far. Um, all right, we move on. Next up, Ryan Loner writes. An underappreciated joke from Suicide Squad, Harley, played by an Australian actress doing a cartoon Brooklyn accent, says there's no such thing as an American accent. <laughs> there's a whole lot of meta going on in that one there, Ryan. A whole lot of meta going on. Well pointed out. All right. Uh, Trayvon uh, to uh, Saint writes. Good afternoon, Campia crew. Hello, Campia crew. I believe you all would enjoy the series Money Heist on Netflix. The characters yep. and plot is believable, incredible to binge watch. What are your favorite international films you've all seen? Yeah, a lot of people have told me about uh, Money Heist, and I do need to check it out at some point. It's great. Uh, favorite international films you've all seen? Well, geez, we could sit here all day and talk about that. Look, there's a couple that often I'll bring up. My number one all-time favorite cop film. Speaking of Tony Leung, my all-time favorite cop film is Infernal Affairs, which Marty Scorsese later remade as The Departed, which won him his first Best Director Academy Award and won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. But the original Infernal Affairs is still my all-time favorite. Amelie is still a movie that will make your soul sing. I mean, do you remember that one, Rob? Amelie? Oh, dude. Amelie is one of my favorite films of all time. It's, it is truly it's a, it's a top 20. It's a top 20 yeah. greatest film of all time. Um, and then for me, you know, you got to talk about Roberto Benigni's Life is Beautiful. I think truly one of the most majestically beautiful films ever created by mankind. It is an absolutely phenomenal piece of cinema. Uh, that, and there's many others. Rob, when you think of your favorite international features, which what one, two, or three films instantly pop into your oh head? Oh, my God. Well, I think about Vim Vendor's Wings of Desire, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, um, uh, Tarkovsky's Solaris. I mean, there's Andre. Uh, um, God, there's so many. I, I, I'm just I'm, my my mind is full of yeah. internet. I say I don't think of I don't think of international movies. To me, they're all movies. They just happen to be in different languages and made in other countries than the U U.S. But I've to me, movies are movies. But yeah. I, you know, I think that there's been the 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 rich cinematic history of the world is just as vibrant as Hollywood itself. It's just we don't hear about it as much well said all right next up we got the super korean stoner rights what a great name hey john and robert i'm a huge uh fan of you guys i've been watching since the old curtain days so that's good to have you here man quick story about five years ago i was bitten by a tick and i didn't know it eventually i forgot how to speak and communicate watching your show i was able to communicate but watching your show and understanding the style in which you speak gave me confidence and lo and behold i was able to communicate my question is one of my favorite books is Hyperion. Uh, do you think it would make a film? And thanks. Well, first of all, Super Korean, thank you for sharing that story, man. That is a, an incredible honor. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you've obviously recovered. So that's great to hear. Rob, he's saying one of his favorite books is Hyperion. I'm not even familiar with the book. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you know exactly what he's talking about. So what is he talking about? Well, John, would it would it surprise you to know that I have first edition hardcovers of Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion, both signed by author Dan Simmons? I would not surprise me in the least. Uh, the, Hyperion was actually the, the first two Hyperion cantos, the first books were written as one novel, but the publisher made Dan Simmons split them up. It is an epic, 
it, it, just epic science fiction about these travelers that are all going to a specific planet to confront a being called the Shrike. And um, he's a very, or it is a very interesting being indeed. And it's kind of like somebody once described it as Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales in Space. But it's one of my favorite science fiction novels. There's four There's four of them. There's four Hyperion books. There's uh, Hyperion, Fall of Hyperion, Endymion, and The Rise of Endymion, and the Hyperion Cantos. And I think that they would absolutely... Dan Simmons, you know the TV series The Terror? About the did you see that a couple of years back? They yes. did a second seat. The first that's also based on a Dan Simmons novel, The Terror was. Uh, Hyperion would be the greatest thing ever. I, I heard that Martin Scorsese was gonna do it at one point, but I mean, my God, if the foundation uh series goes well on on Apple, I mean it could be one of the great science fiction stories ever made if it was turned into I don't think it could be done as a movie, it's too damn big. Um, but if they did it as a series, it could be epic. All right, let's move on here. Next up, we got P. Parker, who writes, either last week or the week before, somebody wrote in to say uh, what book series could be made to stream. He named one. Does anybody remember what it was called? It was a fantasy uh, with an undercurrent of politics. Uh, I don't remember. I do not remember that. Who was the author? I, I, I don't think it says. Either last week, someone wrote in to say the... The book series could be made a stream. He named one. Does anybody? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. So you got to give us a, when you write in guys, you got to give us a little bit more information because we literally go through like 30, 40, 50, 60 of these a day. So we'll, we'll forget this stuff. But uh, unfortunately, anybody in the live chat, remember what it is P Parker is talking about. I'm not seeing anybody re uh, remembering that. So yeah, guys, remember if you're writing in, got to give us a little bit more, a uh, little bit more context so we can probably properly answer your question. But anyway, thanks for writing in P Parker. I appreciate that. Dangerous D writes, um, I'm here to help you, John. You mentioned in your video that you stopped watching Superman and Lois after episode 11 when Diggle and guest when Diggle guest starred, and it reminded you of jobber soups from arrow from Arrowverse. Uh, don't of him. Don't of him as from Arrowverse. Think of them as from an alternate universe and this Superman rocks. It's, it, yeah, I'm not going to go into this all again, Dangerous D. We've already talked about it. It just, it just soured my, my enjoyment of the show. And it is what it is. I didn't choose for that to happen. That's just what happened. I didn't choose to feel that way. That's just how I felt it. And uh, I stopped watching the show. I'm super glad that a lot of you guys are still watching it, but you know, it's, it's not something I can watch anymore. Anyway, Sam Fisher writes, um, let's see. I'm sure John Watts and Feige have Fantastic Four well in hand, but my pitch for Fantastic Four is it's set in the 60s and Fantastic Four are Apollo era, uh, Apollo era astronauts, maybe Apollo 4, and they get stuck in the negative zone for 60 years and come back to Earth with powers. So what's interesting about that is, Rob, we should have brought this up earlier when we were talking about John Watts. Of course, John Watts, the director of Homecoming, No Way Home and uh, Far From Home, he was picked by Kevin Feige to direct the new Fantastic Four, which I think bodes very, very well for Fantastic Four. I thought it was going to be um, Peyton Reed. I thought they were going to pick Peyton Reed to direct it, but they went with John Watts. It's great. Now, I like the theory, Rob, that Sam just came up with that it was in the 60s. They get caught in the negative zone and then come back. The only reason I don't think that'll happen is because they've already done that with Captain America. 
right? They already did. Captain America, hero back in one era, frozen in ice, now comes out of ice, man out of time, blah, blah. They've already kind of done that. So it's possible, but I think they might lean away from that. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? Could they employ that sort of a story hook? I mean, maybe. You know, again, it's hard It's hard to say. I, I, I Look, I believe, John, anything's possible if it's done well. I mean, that's that's the real crux. Can they figure out, is, is there a story worth telling there, and does it serve the characters? Okay, next up, we've got Anonymous Rights. Here are some more movies that I've watched for the first time since the pandemic since the pandemic began air force one that's a good one get off my that movie plane. rules that movie rules <laughs> get off my plane saving private ryan that is also awesome the girl with the dragon tattoo nice lone survivor speed elysium disturbia training day the hurt locker and the new jumanji movies hey listen you know wow. what rob we talked a lot during the worst days of the pandemic over the last year or so that a lot of film fans have taken the lemons of the pandemic and made lemonade out of it by saying, you know what? I might as well take advantage of this time and get caught up on some of these great movies. How many people did we hear from over the last 18 months that watched The Godfather for the first time or right. watched Lord of the Rings for the first time or movies like Saving Private Ryan, Air Force One, uh, Speed, Training Day, Hurt Locker, Jum- the Jumanji. I mean. Listen, that's called making the best out of a bad situation, and I love that. Rob, what are some of the ones, because I know you hear about this on your show as well, what are some movies you hear about the most of people saying they actually use this time to watch for the first time? Well, it's always the classics. And, I, you know, like you just pointed out, I've, I've, somebody told me they watched the Back to the Future movies. They watched the Back to the Future trilogy the other day for the first time. And, like, to me, I'm like, I guess because I was alive and saw those movies when they were new, it always surprises me that people haven't seen something, but it's like, well, you know, if you think about it, Fellowship of the Rings going to celebrate its 20th anniversary this holiday yeah, season. Yeah, that don't remind me. I mean, it, it, it could be like, you know, you might have, if you were born in 1995, you, you'd you only been six when Fellowship came out. You might not have seen it, you know, and it, like we've always talked about, pop culture is kind of of the moment. And, you know, these movies that we know as classics, like, heck, if you were born in 1995, that would make you, what, 26 now? You were born after Jurassic Park came out. Rob, I, so don't, it's know, li- I don't know if you were on the show when we brought this up before. I can't remember if you were on the show or not. But some of you might remember this. But if you want to feel old, <laughs> think about oh, no. this. Oh, no. Viggo Mortensen, who played Strider, in the Lord of the Rings films. Viggo Mortensen is now older than Ian McKellen was when he played Gandalf in the first Lord of the Rings film. Think about that. Ian McKellen or or Viggo Mortensen is now today older than Ian McKellen was in that. And then Rob, I heard another one that made, when I mentioned that on Twitter, somebody reminded me of one that's even bigger you want something else to make you feel really old oh no um what what's the what's the name of the the dude who played wesley crusher again uh whedon will whedon will whedon is now two years older than patrick stewart was when they first started shooting star trek the next generation yep (laughs) Ah! i don't oh dude that's whoo that's that's yep. 
Yep, uh, the clock By keeps the way, sticking. I, uh, uh, the first movie I ever worked on, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, one of the stars of the movie was Viggo Mortensen. I didn't even realize that, really? Yeah, I was the art department production assistant back in 1989. <laughs> By the way, I'm seeing like Mark Newman in the live chat is saying, lies, lies, it can't be, John, it can't be. Oh, no, it's true. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Uh, disturbingly true, but true nonetheless. All right, uh, let's get uh, one or two more in here while Rob is still with us. Marcus Briggs writes, uh, after two decades, my friends finally convinced me... It's so hard to work with this damn thing on. Uh, after two decades, my friends finally convinced me to read the Wheel of Time series on book eight of 14. It's pretty good. Has me excited for Amazon's upcoming series based on the movies, though I haven't heard much because after two decades, my friends finally convinced me to read the Wheel of Time series... Wait a second. That's one of two repeated uh, to their Lord of the Rings series overshadowing it justifiably. So uh, both are high fantasy. And I think Wheel of Time can be a darker Game of Thrones type show while Lord of the Rings stays mostly family friendly. Have you heard anything on the Wheel of Time and what are your thoughts? Rob, this is one that's been coming up a lot lately. I really don't know much about the production of it. And I'm still not convinced they're going to be able to do it well. I, I mean, it just, I think it's one of those pieces of source material that's going to be very difficult to translate. And I'm not quite sure how well it's going to go. I don't have a lot of high expectations, but that could be a good thing because sometimes when you have tempered expectations, you can be very pleasantly surprised. But I haven't, I mean, there was some news about it out a few weeks ago. I haven't really been following it much. Rob, what's your expectation level right now for this Wheel of Time thing? Well, I would be remiss if I did not mention that one of one of my longtime viewers on my own YouTube channel, Stubble McShave in Sweden, is the biggest Wheel of Time fan in the world. I'm hoping that we're going to do reviews of each episode because I don't know Wheel of Time, but the people that are the people that are waiting for the show are excited. They're over the moon. The producers have been communicating with the fans. They already renewed it for a second season already. So I think, based on the reactions of Stubble and other people, that this is going to be something special. I really think that from all the chatter that I've heard, and at least that I've heard secondhand, I think we might be getting something pretty special with this series. Because, man, the people who like it, they don't just kind of like it, John. They're like true believers, man. These people are fundamentalists in their love, <laughs> in their love of Wheel of Time. So, I mean, I'm really, uh, uh, I was sent the first book, which I'm getting ready to jump into to so make myself aware of the, the series. But I think it's going to be pretty neat. All right. Let's do uh, one more here today, guys. Uh, Jeff in Bomb writes, uh, possible Hugh Jackman can be can be more swayed to return to Wolverine with the lack of money success on his other films. Well, I mean, of course, what Jeff is referring to is that, you know, uh, Reminiscence just came out and Rob, it was one of the biggest bombs, one of the biggest flops in Hollywood history. It came out, it only made $2 million in its opening weekend. Now, of course, there was a lot of things with that pandemic hbo stabbed it in the back by putting it on hbo max and in theaters on the same day uh the trailers didn't look all that interesting they never told the, the audience what the movie was actually about there's a lot of things working against it but the bottom line is it was a tremendous flop huge two million bucks that being said uh it's not like he's been struggling with his other movies like greatest showman is a giant hit just huge, huge hit for him. 
Uh, then the other one he did there was uh, the one where he was the high school principal, but that was that was an HBO Max release. So I mean, there was that, that was really one. good too, though. Uh, it was really good. Allison Janey is that her name? Uh, and as well, she was fantastic. That movie's great. And I can't remember the name of it. But it's the one where he plays the. It's a true story where he was playing the high school principal. Anyway, it was fantastic. Um, so he hasn't really been struggling that much. But the main thing here is don't fool yourself into thinking that the only thing stopping a Hugh Jackman Wolverine from appearing in the MCU is that Hugh Jackman won't come back. Kevin Feige, this is a new X-Men. This is, they're starting from scratch. So I don't believe there's any plans. I mean, maybe it's a quick little fun cameo thing here or there, but that's not the case. On top of that, Hugh Jackman always said his main reason for wanting to move on, because Rob, he played this character for us for almost two decades. Yeah. The reason he really wanted to move on was because he was tired of the workout schedule. He's just like literally having to eat this diet and work out this many hours every day. He's just like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And they gave him the perfect send off with, with Logan, one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. I say it's a top three. I think Logan is a top three greatest comic book film of all time, right up there with the original Avengers and the dark Knight. Um, so yeah, no, we're, I, I, unless we see him pop up as a fun cameo in a Deadpool movie or something like that, or maybe in some, you know, fun little multiverse quick appearance sort of thing. Other than that, we're not going to see him back as Wolverine. It doesn't matter what the money is. Cause that's not really the issue. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, dude, I think you're right. I mean, maybe he would cameo if they make Deadpool three as Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think we're going to see him back. I mean, like you said, they would, he's in his fifties now. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to see a new class of X-Men and I, I'm sure we will, they're going to be younger. And I know Logan's an older character, but they're going to, they're going to cast somebody who can, who can be around for another 20 years. I mean, what's Hugh Jackman going to play Wolverine until he's 70? You know, no. Yeah, yeah. I and you know, somebody just mentioned in the live chat, Bill is saying, "Hey, make real steel too." Damn right, make real steel too. <laughs> I go to for, that. I'm all for that one. Okay, guys, listen, we are gonna uh, wrap up today's show a little bit early. I'm not gonna lie to you. I need to go take some pills. Uh, <laughs> this is killing me. I need to go. I need to to wrap up here and moving my hand around and trying to use the mouse here. It's uh, it's getting. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It's getting uh borderline unbearable here so i'm gonna i'm gonna cut off today's show a little bit early but listen there are still more questions to come from alan uh, anonymous ethan holgate and more do not worry we're gonna get a companion video done here and we're gonna get caught up on the questions that you guys have sent in so if you haven't seen your question read yet don't worry about it we got a companion video coming a little bit later but for now i want to thank our uh, our guests here today of course the one and the only, the writer, director, producer, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, who's got a new film coming out this week, maybe in a city near you. Rob, where can people find you online? But more importantly right now, where can people go to find out if Tango Shalom is playing in a theater near them? Well, so far, Tango Shalom is opening in Los Angeles and New York. It's opening in New York City at the Empire 25, the AMC Empire 25 on 42nd Street. It's also or, uh, opening at the Village East Angelica. So the, there's, I know there's another Village East, but this is the Village East Angelica. And in Los Angeles, it's opening at in Encino at the Landmark Theater, and it's also opening at the Landmark uh, at, in the West Side Pavilion, which is the big art house multiplex and then hopefully it'll open in other cities near you over the next uh next month i know it's going to russia 
the Russians are going to be able to see it. <laughs> uh, so I, I just had to make sure that uh, the translation stuff was correct for the trailer and the movie. So it's going to Russia. Tango Shalom will be a big hit amongst those people in the former Soviet Union. So God bless you all over there. I hope you like the movie. And where can people uh, follow you, Rob? You can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Find me on YouTube at The Burnett Work, my channel. Or find me on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter. I was banned on Twitter, John. You were? I got banned on Twitter. They closed my account down because I posted a photograph of a rubber dis- dis- dismembered arm that we were using for our, our shoot. I mean, there was no blood. It's, it was a rubber arm. And they said, you, they, they, they shut my account down for, for posting something that was gore. And I'm like, it's a rubber arm, man. Well, clearly it got, it got straightened out though. Right. Cause you're, cause you're, yeah, I had, to, well, I had to take down the offending picture and then they, they reinstated my account, but I'm like, guys, there's a difference between rubber Halloween arms and real gore, man. Well, I was going to post a picture of my junk later today. I suppose I probably shouldn't do that now. Thanks no, for the warning. No, they probably let you do that. I mean, <laughs> you porn actresses, you know, thank God OnlyFans is coming back, right? Um, yeah. And hey, guys, listen, you can follow me. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter or on Instagram, simply at John Campion, which you can see right down here. So, guys, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in the live comments and questions, number one, because you gave us great, fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported our channel as you did it. So thank you, guys. Remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, do it this way. Bye-bye.